0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Property Journey podcast, episode seven. We'll episode be. Episode we'll seven. Be. Um, I have an interesting topic, one that is going to be mostly probably towards the likes of first-time buyers, um, as in their first experience. And we're going right back, I suppose this would be beyond uh, the, the, the very start point, um, with deposits. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose with a deposit, you nearly have to start saving before you actually. If you have no money, you can't buy a house. <laughs> before you actually start the journey, as such, yeah. um, you need to nearly have it in your head. You need to maybe start saving. You need to make sure that you've got some sort of money in place before you can begin the journey of buying your first property Absolutely. or, um, for for most people, and, and so, what, is a
1: deposit? So deposit is. amount of money that a buyer has to put in to a property so whenever you buy a house and you're going to buy a house you you want to borrow money from the bank because the bank's going to put the most of the money in but the bank wants you to put a wee bit of money in as well that's their that's their security so that if you default on the on the mortgage payment then they've got a wee bit of come and go and then also if there's any fluctuations in house prices as well that protects the bank
0: because that it's one of those things that a lot of people will talk about. Um, Like, you know, your deposit money. You need to get your deposit right. money. What is it? How much is it going to be? All that kind of stuff. And for some people, uh, we've discussed this before. Um, They might not quite know what a deposit actually is, what it's being used for, and, and those sorts of things. So, like, it, it's obviously an important factor. Mm-hmm at the start of the journey is, is your deposit.
1: It is, and the what I've found in research over the last few years is a lot of first-time buyers, they go going buy a house, it nearly becomes an impulse buy where they just literally decide nearly over the course of a few days or a few weeks, I want to buy a house. Yeah. And at that point, they're, they're scrambling about trying to find the money for it. Whereas traditionally years ago, even back you know 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it was something where you planned in advance that you were going to buy a house in maybe 5, 10, 15 years' time and you started to save towards it. But as I say, nowadays people impulse buy, they haven't planned, they haven't thought about it. All of a sudden they decide they want to buy a house and they're like, I want the money. Yeah. I need the money. And
0: um, I suppose because for those of you who don't know, Roy is uh, Mr. Advocate for uh, saving save. money. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, like... Where, where are we talking in terms of how much money you should be aiming to save? As I, as I said, this is something that you need to think about years before mm-hmm. you're actually going to buy your house as such. Yeah. Um. Because as you say, if you don't have the money, you can't buy a house. Um. A lot of people might have a figure in their head where they think, oh, I need to save £10,000 or if I want to buy a house, it needs to be fifteen. You know, is there a rough estimate of, is it 10% that you should be kinda looking at
1: for your deposits? Generally, if you're speaking to a mortgage advisor, they'll keep you right as to how much of a deposit that you need. Uh, I'm not fully aware of the ins and outs of it, but it generally depends on the value of the house, your income, things like that. But a typical deposit for a first time buyer could be about 10%. Obviously, the more money that you can put into it, then the less money that you're borrowing and ultimately the you know the, the lower your monthly payments but typically if you're starting 10 percent of a deposit to save you know the best thing is to save i'm as you said they're an advocate for saving it just it was something that was in me i can remember years and years ago being a child hopefully somebody will relate or a few of the listeners will be able to relate here you're too young chris you used to have a, a post office book and you went in and you, you lodged in a wee bit of money and then the person behind the desk would write in how much money you had. And then maybe every year, every two years, you would go in and would mark up the interest on it. And I remember being a wee kid, maybe about eight or nine years of age, going in with my mum, and the person behind the desk marked up the interest and it come out and my mum explained it to me what interest was, because I could see this, add an amount and I was like, well, what's that? And my mum explained what it was interest and I was like, well, let's go back in again and say if she'll mark it up again i thought it was just as simple as yeah. every time you go in they give you money <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't it wasn't like that and then from that that's just where i've always learnt. but you know save 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 money and then also i went to a, a semi-rural school and the bank actually used to come in to us every every tuesday morning you got out of class And you went out and you you handed in your it was two pounds back then which was loads of money and that was again all marked up and it was a competition between your friends how much birthday money did you have how much christmas money did you have so it was nearly a bit of a a rivalry which encouraged us to save but so from my point of view that's something that i was brought up with to me it's natural about saving obviously i'm going to say it's easy to save so i started working at 17 years of age so if, if you're 17 it's it, and you're, you're working every weekend or you're, you're working in the summertime it's not difficult to put aside 20 pounds per week you know 20 pounds per week you know it's just maybe a couple of less coffees you know it's maybe getting the herd on less just just very very small tweaks yeah. and if you put or even get more pocket money 20 pounds a week from 17 is roughly about a thousand pounds per year and if you do that every year from your 17 to roughly twenty five is probably about an average mm-hmm. age that we save a first time buyer. There's seven thousand pounds, and if you have a partner, that's the two of you. If you've done the exact same, you know there's fourteen, fourteen thousand pounds, which you know ten percent will allow you to buy a house, at about hundred and forty thousand yeah. pounds. Which at the minute a new build house is anything, depending on the area and the quality and the size, but it could be anything from hundred and thirty till about hundred and seventy thousand. So there's. Very simple, 20, £20 a week and you have a deposit for a house.
0: I know, and £20, £20 nowadays in, in current, you know, yeah. circumstances actually isn't very much. No. You know, and I know a lot of people, £20 will go a hell of a long way for them, but at the same times, you know, when you think about it now and the cost of different things, as you say, you know, going and getting a haircut nowadays is nearly £20. You yeah. know, and if you manage to cut that out, you know, once every so often and, and see it towards it, you, you should have a nice wee chunk starting to, to build up. Um, and I suppose that that actually kind of t- touches on, obviously we're talking here for for a first time buyer's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, most people that are either moving home have probably already um, went through the first time buyers, they understand what a deposit is, they understand the process that they, they have to go through. So is there different strategies to, come up with like affordable budgets for your home purchase in terms of you know understanding what your deposit is and, and the best way to go about it and trying to get it
1: well there's a few different ways if, if you want to do it yourself you know if you are at an age where you are maybe out you're working full time you know the the basic instinct is always to trim back on your money and and to save money which ultimately is is good so yes you get trim back on a few things less spending and and save there but ultimately in business you're always taught well how can i find money yeah and very simply if you have a job you know why not go to your employer and say right um can i have some overtime you know, work one evening a week work on a saturday morning Going to get a second job, whether it's working in a supermarket or, or doing anything or find a side hustle, something that you like doing, whether it's mowing somebody's lawn, washing somebody's car, all of those things. And if you just do like one evening in a week or a Saturday, you'd be surprised how quickly you can get, get a bit of money saved yeah. up. So that's finding the money yourself another way is if your parents you can go and ask your parents listen have you any savings is there any any man hurtings so that i can get now effectively and they may be able to, to gift that to you maybe you have some grandparents or an aunt or an uncle who's really good to you you could ask them as well for a gift of a deposit
0: yeah and uh, because it is it, it, i know even from a young person's view now it, it is very difficult with, with the price of property now mm-hmm. and you know when you begin to wear it out I think I heard a stat that it was roughly speaking maybe the price of a house used to be between three and four times your yearly salary I think it was and now it's nearly eight yeah you know so when you when you put it into that perspective that, that's quite an increase yeah. um so we, we understand that it's going to be quite difficult to, to be able to build up that amount of money mm-hmm. as well as the cost of living currently the prices that it is, everything's becoming that wee bit tighter and tighter. Um, Like what are the key expenses then outside of of your deposit that you maybe should think
1: about as well? And before you buy the house. Before you buy the house. um, In no particular order. Getting your mortgage. Some mortgage advisors charge a fee, so that's something that could vary from maybe you know a couple of hundred pounds to four or five hundred pounds. So that's something. If you're going to get a survey done on the property, that's something you have to, to factor in. You've legal costs as well to factor in depending on the value of the house. There may be some stamp duty to pay if it's at the higher end of the value, and also factor and in, which a lot of people overlook. Is it's one thing ban the house, paying the fees and getting the key and getting the keys. The next thing is actually furnishing the yeah. house. You know, furnishing the house can be very, very, very costly. Right down to you know, I can always remember moving into my first house. You don't have anything. You're used to maybe living at home with your parents. And I can remember two or three weeks in and you you keep going to the cupboard to find something for the first time and you realise oh, I don't have that. You know. Yeah. Every single thing has to be bought and again, you know, Tables, chairs, sofas, bed, fir- bedroom furniture, everything. You don't belong saying another easily. Ten thousand pounds, depending yeah. on your tastes,
0: and is this maybe slightly off topic? But um, the obviously the rising turnkey properties now. Mm-hmm. You know that are maybe partially furnished now are becoming quite popular. Is that a case of you don't have to worry about going out and furnishing it?
1: Well. The turnkey properties would be brand new properties that, that come ready in that they've got carpet, they're painted, they've got you know, the kitchen appliances, fitted kitchen appliances, it's basically you're ready to move your, your furniture in and go. Yeah. We do see in the industry where there's more demand, for not necessarily for a new build, obviously there's those benefits of a new build, but also houses that have maybe been refurbished or sitting already nice and pretty. We generally find first-time buyers aren't keen on going in and having to rip out kitchens and rip out bathrooms and organise all that all those tradesmen, They want the property that's ready just to, to move into.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, because that that is a it, it's nearly big business now. Um, in terms of going in, renovating a property and nearly setting it up, as you say, for someone to grab the keys, move in, and put their head yes. in, on the bed as such. Yes. You know, because yep. that's them. That's their home now. Yes. Um. And there's been lots of talk about government programs and supported programs for first time buyers now to be able to go and obviously purchase their first home. Do you have much insight into those
1: types of schemes? Well, first of all, you have, which was a very known scheme, which was the Help to Buy, which uh, is actually now closed. And that was a scheme by the government that it was encouraging you to save so every month you would put 200 pounds into the scheme and then whenever it comes to actually closing it and using the money the government would have given you 50 pounds for each of those 200 pounds that you put in that scheme is now closed so if you haven't already opened that it's it's too late but there's an alternative to that which is known as a lifetime ISA Mm -hmm. which is basically you go to a lot of big financial institutions and they provide this it's a bit like an ISA whereby you save money And then there's a bonus whenever it comes to buying your your property. Other schemes available would be co-ownership. So co-ownership is a government backed scheme whereby it's a government body that comes in they share like an equity with you in the property and it just completely depends on the value of the house whether you are able to put money to it or not. It's also a means of ban a property without actually any deposit. And then there's also some money borrowed from a lender as well. So it's a fantastic scheme. And the third option is if you are able to rent a property which is owned by a housing association or the housing executive, if you've lived there for a certain number of years, you can actually make an application to buy the property. And then if your application is successful, you get to buy that property at a big discount. So that's a bit of a bonus as well
0: back to the 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 because the co-ownership one is is a lot a lot of people are either currently on the scheme or using the scheme so just to dig into it slightly you're saying that you don't actually need a
1: a deposit there are circumstances you don't need to put put any money down and it can be completely uh, funded through the co-ownership and through a bank
0: so the the co-ownership would
1: act as if nearly like a a lender as well then (laughs) Yes, in, in, in legal terms they, they effectively own the property and then they lease it to the buyer for 99 years and then there's a very small, well I shouldn't say very small, but there's a rent that's charged and that's all calculated out as well by the percentage and simply so you'll pay a rent to ownership for their share and then you'll pay your, your mortgage for how much that's been put in by the, the lender as well and you've got 99 years to do what you please with the property. A lot of people use that as a, as a the first rung onto the the property ladder they're able then to you know, get a house get saving money and then in a few years time you can actually start to buy out ownership and you can buy them out in small chunks or larger chunks or ultimately you, you know you're not totally committed to it if you decide you don't want to own the house anymore you can simply sell the house and move on and if you were to for example sell the house you would obviously get whatever amount that your share is worth so it's just whatever share the cornership owns for instance yes then it's valued and then they'll get that back and then yes if there's equity on the other part of it as soon as the mortgage is paid off cornership is paid off if there's still any equity there then yes that is uh, the homeowners
0: yeah yeah oh it's it's because uh, there's obviously been you know it's the the model that the government are currently pushing as their you know support scheme as such for, for first-time buyers and it's interesting to actually get a breakdown on it as they how exactly it works um it's,
1: it's a phenomenal system and process and um, over the last few years a lot of effort has been put in by cornership to streamline the process so they now have a you know from you applying for it to getting approved is very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, then also from the solicitor point of view, there's a portal system where the solicitor logs into, a lot of it's all done uh, through it, and it's very, very, very quick indeed.
0: You know, and
1: as I say, and
0: we've talked about
1: this before as well, be careful what you
0: what you hear on social media and stuff, because I've heard a couple of people that have been slating it, um, and their reasons are, which I laughed at because it's not really the model that it's for, that you can't buy a second property if you've got uh, a co-ownership property. Yeah. You know, and my attitude to that is, well, if someone's using co-ownership,
1: they're not- it, It's to be their main, their it, main it, home. It, yes. You know, so
0: there's there's different things. Look into it, make sure you do your own research on it and whether or not it's gonna be suitable for you. But as you say, it's gonna be suitable for most people trying to get on the first run,
1: you know, in the property market. I think one myth with it is, Back to Northern Ireland, there's just this this whole ethos where everybody wants to own their own property. So understandably, if you're using co-ownership as you know the whole purchase and you've got no deposit in it, well then ultimately you've got little to no equity. Yeah. But then again, without co you wouldn't have a possibility of actually owning a property. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you rent a property, you're paying out rent and that money's they'll always say it's dead money whereas with co-ownership yes you're paying them money but any rise in the value of the property the homeowner is benefiting from it so if you've got no deposit or a low deposit it's a fantastic way of getting onto the property ladder
0: yeah no 100% I I agree as well Um, and the other one then was the housing executive yes Um, quite interesting that you can buy it out um, if you've been there for X amount of years um, and the only reason why I'm going to say it's quite interesting is obviously there's not a lot of housing executive housing out there at the minute.
1: Nope. so teeth
0: to, off- to, to offer it as, you know, for, for people to be able to buy it then, it's that, that's quite interesting because obviously then you're taking housing executive homes off the market as such, you know, and, and in the private yes. essentially.
1: Yeah. Well from that though, just uh, the Housing Executive do buy properties and then also housing associations which are a similar concept to the Housing Executive, they're continually buying up land. So yes on the one hand there's a possibility that you know, the, the number of properties in the Housing Executive are being reduced, there are housing associations mm-hmm. which are increasing and maybe stepping into the, into the shoes but it has to go without saying as well If you buy the house off a housing association or the executive, you're getting it at a discounted rate. It is in the title deeds that if you sell the property within the first five years, you have to pay back the discount. So you just can't simply think, oh, I'm gonna rent this, I'm gonna sell it. Or sorry, rent it, buy it, and then sell it the next day and cash in. Obviously not, you have to pay that back. And then also, if you go to sell the property in the first 10 years, you have to give housing executive or the housing association first refusal so there is an opportunity for them to buy 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 the property back again
0: Yeah, and i i think it's a great idea at the same time i know plenty of people that are currently in housing um in housing executive or housing association houses that have the option to buy it now and as you say for them they will they purchase their own home that they have made into their home Mm -hmm. you know it's not just a house to them now it is their home and they have the option to buy it now you know should they be getting a discount i i would agree that it, it's a good option for them to be able to then outright own their own home mm-hmm. um it's interesting that those uh clauses i suppose you could say that they are um are there rightly so so that it can't be taken advantage of essentially mm-hmm. um it's like it's and that's this is all stemmed from a conversation about deposits um, and there is many many schemes out there and as you say mortgage advisors or people that are involved with that on a daily daily basis are going to be able to help you sort of make those decisions yes. yeah. um, and there's no harm in speaking to them early i would assume
1: oh even maybe before you're you're looking at a property you know speak to a financial advisor that can talk you through what are your options what will you be able to afford and then that gives you a budget to basically go shopping with and picking pick the house
0: and potentially give you the, the uh, maybe round figure of what you should be aiming towards as well i suppose you know if you're thinking about buying a four bedroom house you know what the price is, is, is likely to be and then you can figure out what money you should be saving towards yeah that
1: deposit or and in some occasions it might be a bit of a reality check because you maybe want a particular type of house but then whenever you realise the running costs of it and how much the mortgage is, then you might realise, well, in fact, I can't afford that. Maybe I need to pick a different area, pick a different size of house. And and uh, and throw your rates bill
0: in there. And oh, and once that all starts,
1: they mount up. All the running costs yeah. and then a harsh, cold, harsh winter
0: and you a he- <laughs> big heating bill as well. <laughs> looking for the bags of coal. Um, and I think you touched on it there briefly at the start as well. The advantages of having that larger deposit for the house, um, yeah. what I
1: suppose the the main advantage is going to be saving on interest. So, the bigger the deposit, then yes, the less money that you are borrowing, and then ultimately that means the smaller, the lower the monthly payment. So just basically more affordability. Yeah, is is is, the point.
0: And is there any common mistakes? And I know, like, you could very easily say this about uh savings um common mistakes things crop up maybe scrap your 20 pound payment into you know your account for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then you kind of forget about it and then you realize that you've maybe lost three or four hundred pound that you should have saved into that account is there any kind of common mistakes that you can make maybe just putting it off
1: maybe well one thing we always hear a lot of people say that it's all about good intention so to kind of step aside to then come back to the point so if when somebody's buying a house they have a mortgage and they're normally on a fixed term and if they go to pay it off then they're penalized in it and you can, you're also allowed to pay a certain amount you're allowed to pay 10% of the debt every year so when we're going through mortgage offers with everybody everybody always or the vast majority of people say oh yes yes i plan to pay an extra so much per year or i want to get rid of my mortgage but it's all a good intention and i always ask the question when are you going to start paying that and they always say ah well give me a few months till i get settled in and i'll have the sofa to pay for and i'm going to be changing the car and what have you i'd be fairly confident that the vast majority of those people who have good intentions won't actually do it yeah you know it's like you know going to the gym if you always say I'll, I'll start i'll start fitness next week you know generally that doesn't happen i hope that's not a dig <laughs> at if people say i'm going to start it and then you go out straight away and go, yeah. go for a walk yeah. or a run so it's all about intentions and it's the same thing if you want to lose weight if you want to be fit if you're focused on it and you start it straight away it, you, you'll, you'll you'll benefit from it whereas if it's something where it's an intention it'll not it'll not happen so my trick is basically from day one so if you're buying a house open up a separate bank account Mm -hmm. or very simply every month you've got your mortgage payment have it set as a direct debit that that's how much your mortgage payment is plus whatever it is another 20 pounds whatever you can afford if it's even if it's only five pounds just set up that extra payment and it immediately goes out so that means at the end of each month when you get your your pay in and you pay out all your household bills that forms part of your usual outgoings and becomes a habit and completely yeah. completely disappears yeah um, because that, that is a big thing like you know and as you say the, the
0: intentions sometimes are there you know and three months time you're still intending to do it and get around to doing it and then before you know it it's a year and a half down the line Yeah. very much like me trying to go out running uh, that lasted about a year and yeah. a half and it was only two weeks ago I went back out again um, and like this is a difficult one as well, and and I've already mentioned that that everyone's income, everyone's jobs, the money that's coming in, what they can afford, they save, all that kind of stuff is different. Um, but like, you've touched on it there about increasing your income, mm-hmm. finding money. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, is maybe looking about reducing your expenses as well. Yeah. You know, is, do you try and cut back as much as possible? Do you try and save the money? You know, is that kind of basically? what we have to do
1: well initially well it's down to the person it might be easier for somebody just to cut back a wee bit of their spending what we find is everybody has a standard of living nowadays which could be argued as to whether maybe it's a wee bit above yeah. what they're earning yeah. so ultimately there's nothing wrong with having that that standard of living but ultimately it has to be worked for mm. you know the days of just working you know 30 35 hours per week but to have a, a a living standard up here doesn't necessarily always marry up. Whereas very simply go out and work a few extra hours, you know, simply just get into a habit, you know, work one evening a week, and that could be enough to basically almost pay your your mortgage. Yeah. You know, and that's what a lot of people do. They start a side hustle to pay one small, small bill. They grow that side hustle grow you know bigger and bigger, and bigger to the point that that covers all their household outgoings. So that means all their household outgoings are covered. And then that means actually their income from their job is basically complete savings or spending or investing or whatever, so.
0: And and I I agree with you, you know, that sometimes we do get a bit, and I know on my part as well, that you you sometimes, you know, could do without the takeaway on a Friday night, you know, that you just can't be bored to cook. Um, And there's different ways that you can reduce your expenses and and create those side hustles to maybe have a bit of extra money i think one of the big things for me is understanding what you're kind of getting yourself into and for what i mean by that is you're signing up for a mortgage that very easily could be hundred pounds a month now mm-hmm. easily depending on what property you're getting as you say you've your yearly bills coming in so you, you have your rates coming in you know you maybe have your insurance is to pay for, these costs, are quite substantial when you think about it. Um, you're tying yourself in for twenty five years. Do you have to cover these every mm-hmm. month, for twenty five years. So, for me, it's it's maybe realizing how big of a commitment you're actually making, because you still need to cover all the bills. Yeah. No matter what, as well as everything else outside. So if you have got a car you need to make sure that your car is taxed your car is insured it's gone through the service Mm. you know it's MOT'd, whatever it happens to be that's just your car then everything else then on top of that then you know before you know it you're
1: you've got a lot of outgoings there that you should really be really thinking about so looking about, what's your priority you know some people want the nice car the nice the nice house the nice lifestyle if you're able to do it all brilliant you know that's that's a good motivation for somebody to get up in the morning but if it's something whereby you're looking at the figures and the figures aren't stacking up yeah. well then that's a reality to say well I can't have the nice house the nice car the nice clothes and you know going out for the meals but it could be something just a slight tweak of those you know rather than having a brand new car on, on HP or, or renting it as costing you you know five six hundred pounds a month Well, you could still get a nice car which maybe just isn't as fresh and it's maybe costing you less so just a quick tweak of that there's you know you could save two or three hundred pounds a
0: month and very simply you know you're looking at a four-bedroom house and do you really need four bedrooms you know cut it back down to a three-bedroom house you could be maybe saving yourself 30 grand roughly exactly you know depending on on what it is um there's there's certain questions i've got down here and and again I, i maybe don't want to go too much into them but you know like would you prioritize paying off debt over saving for a down payment you know is it again
1: are a lot of these all going to be obviously personal preference personal preference you know debt i'm not an advocate of debt you know you should have that reduced so generally you shouldn't have that in in the first place and if you go to buy a property that's one thing that that a bank's going to be looking at you know Yes, they want to see some debt sometimes. They want to see, are you able to you know, cover monthly payments and are you responsible? But if you have a lot of debt and a lot of credit cards, a lot of loans and overdrafts, it'll have a big impact on your success rate and being able to get a mortgage. It probably feeds
0: back into the, the sort
1: of credit score situation where obviously
0: if you pay off and are known to be able to pay off uh, a monthly amount every time, you're obviously your credit score is going to be increased. Um I suppose thinking about that question, my attitude to that would be clear off as much debt and I would nearly call it stupid debt or consumer debt, you know, whereas you say credit cards and stuff where you've maybe went out and you know you threw the family holiday and the credit card and you know, certain things that maybe shouldn't maybe have been <laughs> a credit card shouldn't maybe have been used for, um, and getting that all cleared out because, you know, would you rather it cleared out so you know that it's covered rather than trying to save it for a house and then potentially get yourself well essentially getting yourself into more debt See, one
1: thing which is debt but may not be looked at as debt is the likes of you if you've got the, the most latest iphone mm-hmm. so the price of it now and you're taking it out on credit and that's a monthly payment Yeah. you know, you you maybe look at it as oh that's what my phone bill is yeah. every month but, but you that, don't own it but you don't own it and that's yeah. a debt and that's showing up in your credit score and I've heard a lot of stories where somebody has simply missed uh, a phone bill payment which could be as little as 20 quid or it might be 120 pounds and that missed payment has a big impact on on them being able to get a mortgage or even renew their mortgage so even the likes of those things that could be something whereby whether you view it as debt or not I would be viewing that as basically you don't cause any blemishes to your credit score or your possibility of being able to get a mortgage.
0: We'll definitely have to uh, ask that one to our mortgage advisor, who will who will hopefully be getting in. Um, like I have a whole lot of different dollar things here. Um, but I probably don't really want to touch on them either because it's maybe more a financial side of things. Um, in terms of a financial advisor and what you would ask them. Um, but obviously, from a personal preference, would you consider those alternative housing options? likes your co-ownership maybe the likes to rent the own um if you're struggling with maybe gathering up the money for those down payments or deposits
1: completely personal i i would say the first step to do is actually work out have you got a deposit or maybe even work out a time frame when you are when are you going to buy a house to see can you actually save up the deposit and then work out you know Is that possible? If that's not possible, then look at the different options and see which then suit your your needs.
0: It's going to be, probably on a final note, quite difficult. um, Maybe to stay motivated, would you say, for some people? You know, knowing that if you really throw a figure out there, say, for example, 14,000, as you said earlier, you know, if someone's starting from scratch, Mm Mm-hmm you know to get from scratch to 14 000 it's going to be quite a daunting challenge what would be your one piece of motivation nice. or
1: i'm going to be a wee bit harsh and basically comment that if it if it's your dream to have a house and it's a real dream you will achieve it so yeah. basically you take that dream and you break it down into those smaller steps and those goals and that's where you can break it down into simply saying well Do I work one evening a week, do I work two evenings a week, do I work five, how many evenings do I have to work to get that? If it's something where somebody loses motivation, then ultimately that's not for them, you know it's the likes of a a world record sprinter, an olympic sprinter running 100 meters, you know, they're running, they're practicing every single day for their dream to win that race, which only lasts less than 10 seconds, you know, so they have to practice every day. That is their ultimate goal. And if they don't put the effort in, they're not going to get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as you say, for some people, owning a home, and especially here in, in NA, um, owning your home's the, nearly the number one thing on people's lists. Um, if if you want it, you know, put the hard work in and go and get it. Yeah. Um, so on, on an overview, uh, your deposit is essentially, your money that you need at the start Mm -hmm. to be able to put forward as your own payment as such so that your lender has the what way would you put it support mechanism behind it? It's our safety net as well. Safety net was what I was looking for. Um, Speak to your mortgage advisor or a financial advisor if you're unsure as to maybe a deposit amount or Mm -hmm. what you should be aiming towards whether you might you know maybe need to increase your salary whether you might have difficulties if you maybe have um, issues in your credit score for example
1: Um, and look into your options work backwards and then ask yourself how yeah how can i get this money and if you start to ask yourself that question it's the same in anything how can i make life how can i make this easier how can i do this you'll soon get the answers
0: and for me what i would say for any first-time buyer is just be aware of what you're getting yourself into in terms of your commitments. You know, don't forget about your rates. Don't forget about the furnishings. Don't forget and about...
1: Have a buffer, soon. Yeah, On that note, actually, I should have said earlier on, when you said there about the extra costs about buying a house, okay, not necessarily extra costs, but a lot of people don't realise running a house is like running a business. So any business that is running on the wire every single month if, if they run into a bump or have a difficulty they're wiped out very quickly it's the exact same when you own a house you need to have a buffer zone there so that you have enough money to last you three four months ideally to cover all household bills so that if you are off sick or if you're poorly or if something happens you've the comfort of knowing that the bills can be paid for a few more months until hopefully you can get back on your feet again
0: yeah yeah I think that's probably the best piece of advice that we could leave the episode on mm. is, is you know, just make sure you have all bases covered again. Um Start saving. Start, start, start <laughs> saving start <laughs> saving. Start start saving now. Um thank you very much, Roy. Thank um, you. Um that's deposits I suppose in a nutshell. Yes. Um there's probably gonna be a few more questions that we could be able to ask and get into more detail with you know, with a mortgage advisor or a financial advisor and uh maybe get into the as they would say about about that um but thank you very much thank you i think we'll leave it there um if you've enjoyed this episode make sure to give us a follow give us a like on our social media platforms and uh stay tuned for the next episode thank you